Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Not Boring Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Redman, founder of YourV1.com. This is not suits and handshakes business. This is not boring business. Let's go. I know you don't have a roadmap, but what topics do you Oh, my God. Let, let's start off with you're the beautiful, amazing, talented Mickey Reynolds from Grid 110, right? <laughs> we'll start with, great. we'll lay that baseline, okay? Then we'll go into talking about how entertainment and entrepreneurship in LA, the intersection. I love that. I love talking about that. Um, and then I want to talk about a couple topics. One of those topics being when entrepreneurs or early stage founders focus on details, okay. right? Instead of getting going. Mm-hmm. So like, and I guess, you know, now that I'm, I'm on this, I'm on that rant. So uh, see, this is what happens is we go in and I go, oh yeah, this is a cool, this is a cool way to do this. And I go, okay, now I want to get into that topic. So like I have this whole thing where we're constantly building ideas for people and people are so detail oriented where I literally tell customers, fuck your details. I do not give a shit about your details. I think when people focus on details and you can tell me your competing opinion, but when people, especially in early stage, focus on details, I think it is it is masking a bigger problem, which is you are not, you're lacking traction. So you're focused on what that icon in your app looks like, sure. or you're, you, you think this strategy is going to work over, over seeing through the other one. Right. So like, I think it's like Peter, um, Peter, one of Peter Thiel's rules is that I don't want to, I don't want to hear your B problems. Like everyone else focuses on B and C problems because A problems are very hard to solve. Mm-hmm. So like what you've got to see this too with running the grid 110 uh, incubator accelerator programs. So many founders have to come to you with details when it's like bogging down in the details early on is just a, I consider it a mask of a larger issue, right? Something else isn't working large scale. How do you see that? You've got to have a lot of people that come to you with details. What do you think? What do you tell them? Sure. Well, I mean, I think when you think about the details, I think, yes, the icons and designs and should make the logo bigger are definitely details that are probably an entrepreneur should not be focusing on. But there are details that I think that they should be thinking about in the very early stages um, when it comes to really understanding their problem um, and what is the solution to that problem, who has that problem, getting validation around that getting a really clear understanding of who your potential customer might be. And I think those are the really, that's the time that you should spend time in the details of understanding what you're trying to build before you actually build it. Okay. That's smart. But are those, okay. All right. I see what you did and I see what I know, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do, which <laughs> is, are those details? Those seem like, like knowing who your customer is. Right. Like I get it in the large picture. Those are a fraction of the pie. Mm-hmm. Right. So like any I would think more. Let's dive in. So knowing the customer. Right. 
I would say a detail of that strategy would be focusing on how to do it because there's a hundred ways on how to find who your customer is. Yeah. So like being romantic around this one way to, no, it needs to be done this way. And it's like, why? Correct. So when people bring that kind of strategy to you, how do you, like, let's break it down. So like if people come to you and it's like a go-to market strategy, and they're like, uh, mm-hmm. you're getting too bogged down in the details. Do you ever say that to someone? Like, what is a detail around that aspect for sure. uh, to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, in the customer discovery phase, if you're trying to do a survey and you're spending endless amounts of hours on the survey question, uh. um, I think there's an art and a science to a survey for sure, uh, because you often only get one chance maybe to go out and, and get people's time and attention to fill something out. And it, it might be harder to go back to them again. So you want to try and get it right the first time. But I mean, I think with anything, like done is better than perfect. And yeah. um, a lot of times I think folks are stressing about the about the details um, and wanting to make sure it's exactly right before it goes out. Um, but I think the most important thing is, you know, how are you going to get uh, that first user, that first dollar, and then be able to grow from there? And what do you need to take to get there? And I think the, the Lean Startup methodology really focuses on that. It's put something out there, get feedback, iterate, put something out there, get feedback, iterate, and this constant loop so that you can feel like you're making progress in a really meaningful way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that was perfect. I think if I was going to say something, it would be exactly that thing. So like you have seen this more than a lot of other people that I have even talked with um, because you're kind of in the shit, in the trenches with building Grid 110 can you go into like some of the companies you see? What are the problems? Is it just here? Is it just servicing companies here in LA? Yes. Or do you take like international? No. So we started about five years ago. Uh, we launched our first program in 2015. Um, it was a grassroots community driven initiative from seven people who lived or worked in downtown Los Angeles. Felt like downtown had the potential to be the next tech startup hub, mm. but felt like it was lacking um, community resources. You know, most of the startup community here in LA at the time and still currently is based on the west side, so in the Santa Monica, Venice, Playa Vista area. Uh, but those of us that live 16 miles to the east or maybe even further, uh, we all know how hard it can get be to get around Los Angeles. Um, there was a need, I think, for connecting entrepreneurs that already existed together to be able to support the up-and-coming ones. Um, and so that's why we first started Grid 110, was really hyper-local focused on downtown LA. But since then, our programs have really grown to support um, companies all over the Los Angeles, kind of greater Los Angeles area, mm. some even coming from Orange County, Long Beach, the Valley. Um, and I think it's a testament to the community that we've been able to build, uh, the support that we provide, the network that we've built. Um, and I think that that's uh, been really important to the growth of uh, our community of like working with now 126 companies uh, that range across uh, size, scale, business vertical, business model. Um, so, we, you know, we work with companies that are more of the traditional types of companies that are seeking venture capital sure. um, and that will be uh, high growth companies uh, anywhere in the, whether it's SaaS, um, B2B, um, e-commerce, and consumer packaged goods. Um, and as well as companies that uh, started as a, a side hustle and 
want to make it into more of a quote-unquote lifestyle business that they, they don't necessarily intend on going after VC funding. Oh, you um, work they, with those companies too? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so I think we see everything kind of under the sun and, and stage agnostic too. So we have two different programs, one that works with companies that are typically like anywhere from ideation stage to pre-launch. Okay. And then we have a program that works for companies that are post-launch have some uh, traction in terms of users, revenue, maybe even funding. Um, and so because of the nature of our model, so we're a nonprofit, uh, we don't charge for okay. our programming and we don't take any equity from the company. So it allows us to look at and work with a wide range and variety of different types of companies because we don't have that traditional expected return mm. um, of the investment of resources that we're putting into our companies. We have different expectations. You know, we're funded through the city of Los Angeles. Uh, we have an economic development grant that really seeks to support uh, a growing economy through entrepreneurship. And so the resources that we put into our companies, the hopes are that they're able to grow, um, scale their revenue, uh, start generating revenue, um, yep. potentially get outside funding and ultimately create jobs in the city of L.A. So how... Okay, I want to I wanna go back to that thing, uh, the, that, the success and how L.A. looks at that. But mm -hmm. how about this fucking stupid ass detail and this is a detail to me and you can tell me how you like it but i remember sitting with stephen kane uh -huh. who helped founded grid 110 yep years ago and he was like yeah uh we were sitting downtown because he's big in downtown i don't know if he's still living in downtown but like i think so. uh, he's still my general counsel your for attorney worth. yeah uh -huh. <laughs> and he's still sucking money out of me so like, uh, Steven listens to this, he'll love it. Um, so every time I went down and met, meet him, he's like, oh, uh, I forgot if it was like Graycroft or Crosscut, one of the VC firms around here. He's like, they're opening an office downtown. Graycroft. And I go, what the, f oh, Graycroft, okay. Yep. And I go, okay, fuck does that mean, right? Like, can you re really, when a grand scheme of, I'm going to cut you a million dollar check or a three million dollar check, but you're on the other side of L.A. Uh, and it's like, are you kidding? That's a detail to me that people are like, no, like, I don't care if you're in fucking Nebraska and a company likes you and a VC company likes you and you're amazing. You're going to get funding. So, like, why is it or why have you seen that trend where it's like, yeah, um, we're downtown, so we're gonna not, we're not getting funding unless we're going to the west side. Do you see that? You have had to have seen that. I've heard that from startup founders. Sure. Have you been exposed to that? I mean, I think it. The majority of VC funds are on the west side. It's a fact, um, and I think it's a, a combination of a bunch of different things. It's a lot of the companies are already there. The resource of the community. It makes it easier for them to take meetings. Um, but you're right, companies will travel, you know, wherever they need to, they'll travel up to the Bay Area, which often they do sure, right. to seek out funding. Um, but I think what is a testament to downtown LA and a VC firm like Raycroft moving there is it's a signal that they don't have to be in Santa Monica or Venice um, to receive deal flow. It's mm -hmm. a testament that, you know, they maybe want to provide a more accessible location for their employees. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I think Dana Feta was coming from Hollywood. So it was just easier for her to get to downtown from um, where she was versus going all the way to, you know, the West side. 
um, I think downtown uh, just attracts people that are looking for a more centrally located mm. uh, office space, uh, community, um, sure. as well as it's more affordable. You can get more space, um, which is why we've seen a lot of companies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of dollars per square foot, um, in comparison to Santa Monica and Venice, what you can get in downtown, especially like the Arts District area, okay. um, because it is up and coming, um, it's just more cost effective. And we've seen companies that have moved their presence from other parts of LA into downtown or have launched in downtown um, because it either made sense to be in this you know, urban city center. Um, it, it is more um, accessible um, when you think about the geography of LA. So you can re- recruit talent that are coming from Pasadena, from Orange County. From, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Know, different parts of the area. So um, I think it's a signal more than anything else that they're not necessarily following a trend of somewhere they have to be because this is the only place that tech exists in Los Angeles. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think like I've seen I just getting in the shit in the trenches with startups and companies and people. I've worked I consulted WAG way back in their early days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember people would come from Arcadia to West Hollywood for $12 an hour at 5 a.m. Wow. Right? If it's good, people will come. Period. If your company is good, investment will come from who knows where. Right? Like I always tell people, build revenue. Sell shit. Don't worry. If you can sell enough shit, you can, one, pay yourself a salary to do what you love, right? Being an mm-hmm. entrepreneur. If that's not enough, do not be an entrepreneur. So like, if you're not happy with making a salary, paying your bills, having a little extra, if you're chasing the unicorn dream, you're gonna fail. I just, be- I believe it. That's why 90% of people in the startup ecosystem do fail. I've had so many people talk to me, and maybe you can talk to this, that like have come out of some YC batch. And once they close their funding after YC, one of the, one of the founders, a buddy of mine, he was like, one of the, my co-founder, all he wanted to do was just raise more money. And that's why the company failed. They stopped running the company fundamentally, him, and then the company dissipated. And you're like, there's so much bullshit in the... Because people read headlines, right? And they go through all this back and forth with the stuff that goes on in Silicon Beach. They buy into that stuff. And then they buy into what Silicon Valley is. And they don't run a good business, right? They don't Mm -hmm. fundamentally know how to do any books, Mm -hmm. right? Take care of anyone's... Anyone... Any one employee's details let alone just paying yourself. What do you think? I know you've seen a lot of this stuff too. So like, what do you think is the biggest thing you hear that's like just complete bullshit, right? Like everything you get you get talked to in the ecosystem that you're like, this is just not true. Does anything come to mind where you're like, oh my God, no, you, you can be downtown. You don't have to be on the West side. It's been easier for us to raise in San Francisco. Yeah. Like one one person told me that like I was that dude don't stop messing with like angels in LA. Like 
you're you will be a darling in san francisco this person makes a couple introductions and it's like oh my god it's so what do you think that's the sign of as well like do you think that's a mature ecosystem versus an, an immature ecosystem or like a lot of people just in la want to play the part right they're the failed actor trying to make their name with a startup that they want to fund what are, what's kind of the dynamic there that you see i mean i think there's there's definitely the case that silicon valley and san francisco have a more mature ecosystem there is more money flowing there um and i think that i wouldn't say that la is immature i mean i think you know uh I believe the latest statistic was that $8 billion were invested into LA companies last year into 2019. So I think we're growing and it's growing every year. Um, so I think it's the difference of understanding potentially uh, who invests in your space. Um, and if, you uh, are that's right. a, if you're a B2B company and you're not doing your research on investors and who they invest in, sure. and if you're trying to pitch consumers focused investors, then you're going to get a no. And then you're probably going to get looked at for not, you know, doing your research um, sure. and waste and wasting their time. And I think that's the, the quickest way to just not get a response to an intro or uh, a cold email. And it's really doing your diligence on the right types of investors, <laughs> the stage that they invest in. Um, so are they, you know, do they like to write the first check? Are they a lead or they do they typically follow? Um, what types of industries and products are they investing in and where right. do you fall into that? And there's tools and databases out there that are easily accessible to, to uncover a lot of that. And it may just be that there are more B2B investors in the Bay Area um, than there are here in LA um, or that the relationships, because it's a relationship building game. Like it's who you know and yep. it's how you get it is. Yeah. Um, it is so much that, that like it has nothing... Honestly, I guess that's why I tell pe I tell people and I can tell people whatever. So like as anyone else can tell anyone whatever. So like I tell people focus on revenue so at least you can pay yourself and you're not like you're not singing and dancing for your supper, right? Mm -hmm. Like chase customers, right? Those customers will bring you money if you're selling something valuable. And then if you're creating enough value for those customers, investors will find you. Like that happens so often, right? Like it's just a thing, right? Like so many people don't get past that, 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 uh, moat, right. Where it's like, no, but I need a 275 grand for this. So, and I'm like, no man, like quit it. Why are we in this ecosystem where this happens? So like, I don't know. I, I feel like every time it's easier to get money from there, like, but I want to, I want to talk about one thing you brought up. So like you brought up about the cold introductions, right? Versus warm introductions. Mm -hmm. And I, I was doing the math. I was just, I just want to go over some, a couple numbers that I've just I've, in my head. They're not actual numbers, but they say like, okay, cool. You need to talk to 100 investors to get like your first yes. Right? Or something like that too. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Like Jeff Bezos got declined 60 times. Mm -hmm. Right. You hear like oh, Howard Schultz got denied by 250 banks or something. Right. So like it's in between. Right. 50 to 100 no's that you'll get. And 
I think about like, and then I talk to any entrepreneurs that have like successfully raised money and they say the, the best way to meet an investor is through a warm introduction. Okay. And doing the math on that is you need to know a founder or someone that knows 100 investors, or let's just even say 50. So you need 50 warm introductions, right? And <laughs> so how many founders do you know and advisors do you know, would you need to know, that would know 50 investors that would invest in your thing, right? So like, then they need to know, the set. they need to actually invest in the sector you're in. So like, I know a bunch of founders that are currently raising money that won't make an introduction or might, but I don't want to ask because they're raising their own money. So like, they're not going to make introductions. So it's like, I need to know like a thousand founders that will make an introduction to certain people. And it just becomes a numbers game and it becomes outright exhausting. Like, is that, do you see that? Do you see like investor fatigue? Like this, it's insane. It's just easier to chase revenue. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things to think about. If, if you have the capability of generating revenue, focus on that um, and think about why do you need investment? And if you have the, the capabilities with your product of generating, you know, exponential revenue and marketing yeah. towards profitability, do that. Like, yes, <laughs> that's the best investment that you can make in, in your team and your product. Yes, Mickey. Um, I think that when it comes to investors, though, and, and uh, to speak to kind of the scenario that you had laid out, I don't think it's, that's necessarily the case that you know that many. I mean, I think if you are working on something um, that is solving a problem, if you are a founder that somebody wants to invest in, it may be a no for them, but if they like you um, and if they see potential in what you're building um, or the actual thing that you're building, um, they're going to make introductions to you. Um, all investors, they're connected to the investor network. And so if you make a good impression uh, upon someone, regardless of if it's something that they personally want to invest in, they will pass those along and they will continue to make those introductions. So, so this, I think it's, yep, I love that, Mickey. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. I just had a thought. Um, yep. I also heard in one of these, one of the exact same talks, it was one of the fucking YC things that everybody gets too enthralled in. Okay. So like, and I'm sure you, a lot of the crap and, um, and now I'm venting, but like the same guy was like, you don't want a f introduction from someone who passed on you. Right. So like, I, I hear so. you say that and I'm like, no, no, no. It makes sense for me to like, no, it just doesn't fit my thesis. Exactly. But like, and I hear that and then I see like, would you make an introduction? Like I'm passing on this. Like, have you seen that in the ecosystem workout where someone does pass on it, but like makes an introduction and then they get an investment? Practic yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've heard anecdotal stories from our founders who, you know, have run the fundraising gamut. Um, and it does take a lot of time. I think people underestimate how long it will take. Um, I've, you know, seen people with the expectation that they've got their first meeting, they hope it goes well so that they'll get that check. And then when it doesn't go well, they're like just defeated and deflated. But I think it's the recognition that there will be a lot of no's, um, that it's an opportunity for you to improve on your pitch, um, to get feedback on it. Uh, and that yeah. and feedback on the business, if there are things that, you know, it might, it might not be a no, it might just be a not right now, come back to us later when you show X, Y, and Z, then okay, go focus on X, Y, and Z. 
Um, but I think that we've definitely heard from founders who um, have, you know, made a good impression on, on an investor and they want to open up their network for that for that founder because they either are not investing in their space. Um, and sure. I think the, re- the really important thing that founders should go to investors with is looking for feedback. So I'm not necessarily looking for money from you as an investor. I would love your feedback, though. And even if this isn't your space, um, are there indicators that show you that this has promise? Um, and that has opened up doors for people as well. It's like they, they say that when you're looking for money, ask for feedback. And when you're asking for money, you'll get feedback. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I that does work. Do you want to... That it really does. Yeah. Like that it's insane. But you want to know what's funny? What's happening to me? This is real talk. I I love you. By the way, you're amazing. Thanks. And you are someone who I look at in the ecosystem. Who people in LA go? Oh, Grid One Ten or Mickey. And I'm like, just a fucking amazing individual. You've always made room for me in your busy schedule, and I know you're hectic. Um, and I just think about when you pass something on and it's like asking for advice i i'm telling you the the patience it takes you know what i mean like i've mm-hmm. tried that thing we're like oh uh yeah i like your feedback on this and it's like if i go into it think asking for feedback but thinking i'm gonna get i want to get financing i've a b tested this with myself mm-hmm. and uh oh my god it's a long game i feel like it's a longer game to get there Right. Because like you're framing it as advice. How? Yeah. yeah, Tell me this, Mickey. How how would you set up that meeting for advice? Wanting financing. How would you frame it? What would you say? What would you advise me to play that? So it shortens the window. I don't have the patience for the long window. Sure. (laughs) I just don't. Well, I mean, it's hilarious. I think founders should always be soliciting feedback. Mm, okay. You know, it's, it's part of your role as a founder or the CEO of your company to be, you know, selling your product to people, getting feedback from it, um, and really honing in on your pitch. Um, and I, I think I have been in that position where, again, we don't invest capital, but I've taken meetings with founders who are looking specifically just for feedback on their company. And I, on occasion, I get really interested in that company, and I keep them in mind if, you know, to either encourage them to apply um, or to keep us in mind when our next application cycles open up mm. to, to think about that um, because they're they're coming to me and, and maybe that was their intention all along, um, but who knows? But uh, I think oh, those, sure. those that have, I think the humility to admit they don't know what they don't know and um, are, are seeking feedback um, from people that they respect, not just from like anybody and everybody, although you can, you can go that way too. Oh, that's horrible. I've been playing this game. Mickey, <laughs> you're preaching to me. Like, I, I love hearing what you're saying because I'm, I sit in some of these meetings with some of these bullshit fucking angel investors. And no one, no one knows this. You'll listen. If they listen to this, they'll get it. That, like, it, you know, if they do their research. I, we've gotten horrible offers. Horrible. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's what I think. No and what one do you think ever. that is? Is it that they're not educated as investors? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I really do that. I 100% believe it is all about how novice or uh, advanced they are as an investor. Mm-hmm. So like if they, if they're like, like I said, like these C players that want that big win, 
They're like, oh, I'm going to get this company for nothing. So they go, here's 300 grand for, I want 30% of the company. Mm -hmm. And it's like, go. I think to my, in the meeting, I'm like, oh, cool. In the back of my head, I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, look at my progress. Look at what I've built by myself. Can you imagine if I had any capital? I would rather go deal with Wells Fargo with 4% interest. Like, why would I? You're not even someone who I can Google. Mm-hmm. So now I've come up with this strategy where it's like, if you're not more Googleable than me, I won't even I won't even talk to you. Well, so right? I'm like, curious then, why did you take the meeting? Someone introduced me. So like, I'll always take a warm introduction. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, uh, and it was technically a introduction from someone who had cut a check before okay so like earlier last or like last summer or whatever so it was an investor right that had cut a check for us um and i was like i'll take a meeting just i mean out of respect for this guy right and i took it and it was like the most horrible fucking thing like and i'm telling you they're walking away going man i love jeremy and (laughs) I'm walking away going, yeah, I would like to never talk to that guy again. (laughs) You know, like it's always planting the seeds that you don't want the next. You don't want him to soil any name or anything like, oh, he's an asshole to deal with. But like in my head, I'm going like real business, real talk. You ruin things when you're like when you're a jerk. And I'm like, I just try to be nice. I always lead with love, trust, transparency. And this person wasn't being as transparent as I wanted. And it's like, how would you, and I think that's what kind of exhausts me, right? Like, how do you advise founders on how to take meetings like that? Because it's like, after you go through 50 investors and you get two or three meetings or even two or three yeses, but the yeses are garbage, what would you say? What would you say to that? Well, how would you advise a founder to handle that? Um, I mean, I think as you're becoming more mature, um, in your experience with going down the fundraising path, you yeah. will sharpen your lens um, of mm. and your filter of who you should take meetings with, um, who you think is going to be a well-aligned investor. Because, I mean, they always liken it to dating uh, and ultimately getting married to someone. Um, and right. sometimes it's often easier to get divorced than it is to get an investor off your cap table, apparently. <laughs> so I think you have to really approach it with that. It's don't not all money is good money. Um, And I think you have to be really strategic about who you want on your cap table. Are they going to provide value outside of just money? Um, Do they have a network that you can tap into for strategic reasons? Do they have a background that that you feel like will be helpful from an operations um, or strategy side? Um, Is there something else besides just them writing you a check? Um, And is this, this something that you feel like if you are building your board of directors and not to say that all your investors sit on your board, but it's, is it somebody you would want on your board? Mm-hmm. Um, and is it somebody who you will go to for advice when shit gets hard um, and you need support? Will they be there for you? And yeah. I think that's really important as you really formalize how you vet your investors uh, to make sure that it's uh, a relationship that you feel really strongly uh, will help you be successful. Oh my God. I'm ending there. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, Mickey. Mickey, the mic drop, Reynolds from Grid One Ten. <laughs> That's a that is terrific advice. 
I love that, especially with people raising money and doing things like that. It is not a, and I, again, just to close it out, it is something where so many people come to me and are like, how do I do this? And I go, listen, uh, one introductions are the greatest, you know, but some people get farther with cold emails and I've mm-hmm. had more success and, yep. but it's like, really, do you want to raise money? Just to emphasize your point, I think you should want to look forward to picking up their calls or need their calls versus needing their money. So it is, it's great. There are opportunities or or times where you're like, I just need a check, but you still don't want to check from someone who's going to bug you and someone who you don't want to listen to. So I think that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Mickey, where can people find you? I know you're doing a lot of podcasts and stuff. (laughs) Because I'm seeing your face all over a bunch of people's LinkedIn now. Yeah. It's so been, it's you're grinding for something. Um, I, I, I guess so. Uh, something's working. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you can learn more about Grid 110 at grid110.org, um, Grid 110 on all the socials. And I am at Mixter on all the socials. Boom. Thank you, Mickey, so much for coming on. I'm sure this will be one of the most popular episodes of all time. <laughs> Thanks, um, I'm going to send you what I'm going to send you. I have people in the studio right now um, that say hi. Okay. So, tell them hi back. Uh, they, she says hi back. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mickey. Thank you.